America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great nation and a great day when it's just been announced the President of the United States is going to be delivering a previously unscheduled uh, speech at Union Station near the Capitol. Uh, Biden's speech will be delivered from Capitol Hill because, quote, that's where there was an attempt to subvert our democracy. That's what a White House press spokesman says. That's going to be his theme. The theme that he has been trying to use uh, the last week has been Social Security and the defense of Social Security from all of those well-publicized Republican attempts to undermine Social Security. What attempts, you may ask? Well, that, of course, is exactly the question and the reason that he seems to be switching topics. It's fascinating with all of the close Senate races and governor's races and House races all across the country. Uh, the president of the United States is choosing to sp speak in the ultimate swing state. Uh, yeah, that's right. Union Station in Washington, D.C. I think it is absolutely certain that any Democratic candidates on the ballot for any office in Washington, D.C., of course, they don't get to elect a U.S. senator or a U.S. member of the House. They have a non-voting member of the House, Eleanor Holmes Norton, and it's been for years. But the uh, point being that this is uh, not uh, an attempt to sway the election, one would think, because if he were to do that, wouldn't he go to a swing state, go to Pennsylvania? He's been in Pennsylvania a lot. That's a absolutely crucial Senate race. Uh, wouldn't he go to Arizona, another absolutely crucial Senate race and a crucial governor's race? Wisconsin is a crucial must-win for the Democrats, and it does not look like they are winning in Wisconsin. That's Ron Johnson, the incumbent senator. In fact... Uh, there has just been a, um, a, a new analysis by 538, that's uh, Nate Silver. And uh, he is, of course, one of those people who they play different outcomes on the computer about what's going to happen. And they're suggesting now that it is shifted. It is not only uh, virtually certain, over 80% sure, that the Republicans take control of the House but it's over 50% sure it is leaning in the direction of Republicans taking over the Senate as well and winning a total of four Senate seats, which is extremely optimistic for the GOP. And the reason it is is because even if they won four Senate seats knocking off Democrats, that's assuming Democrats don't knock off any uh, GOP uh Senate seat. So we shall see. Uh, we will focus on all of that. We will focus on what's wrong with uh, President uh, Obama and President Biden, both going out there and campaigning on Social Security. It's, uh, it's a crazy attempt to change the subject. And, and then, of course, there's also the ridicule that has greeted the White House, which has attempted to claim credit for the uh, increase in Social Security that people are going to be experiencing next year. Too late to influence this election, but people know what's coming, and it comes to 
for a typical Social Security recipient, I believe it comes to as much as like $40 a month, which is something and is something that people are going to feel grateful for. Yes. And but (laughs) what they don't tell you is it hardly makes up for the money you've lost through inflation. And that's the whole idea. It's a cost of living increase. And of course, when cost of living is skyrocketing for everybody, including retirees, including Social Security dependent people, well, then that doesn't mean that you're in a better situation. And uh, the idea that uh, you would trade the extra $40 a month you're getting for Social Security for the extra cost of gas and food and housing and everything else, uh, that is a very dubious proposition. Uh, But here are the Democrats with less than a week to go. Six days to the election. And uh, and so now what are they going to do? They're going to change the subject back to another subject that hasn't worked for them. And which is, quote, the assault on democracy. Karine Jean-Pierre gives a... um, a preview of uh, the president's speech. It sounds like it's going to be very much an echo of the very poorly received speech he delivered in front of Independence Hall in Philadelphia. Remember that with the uh, lurid red lighting that most people commented about and where the president of the United States really assaulted the other party as radical and extreme and a threat to the existence of our republic. Are we going to hear more of that tonight? Here's what uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre has to say, clip 10. An inflection point. He has been clear democracy is under assault and we cannot pretend otherwise. The president will continue to call attention to the threat to to democratic integrity and to public safety posed by those who deny the documented truth about election results and those who seek to undermine public faith in our system of government. Unfortunately, we have seen mega, MAGA Republican officials who don't believe in the rule of law. They refuse to accept the results of free and fair elections, and they fan the flames of political violence through what they praise and what they refuse to condemn. It remains important for the president to state strongly and unequivocally that violence has no place in our democracy. Okay, who is saying uh, anywhere uh, who is on the ballot or anywhere near the ballot that violence has a place in our democracy? What, What you're hearing is people who got sucked into the stupidity and the irresponsibility and, yes, the treasonous behavior of January 6th. People like that, like the uh, Oath Keepers uh, participant who pleaded guilty, is going to jail, and uh, who cried and, and apologized. And where do you hear anyone... Uh, taking the idea seriously that we, well, we need another civil war, we need to undermine our democracy. I believe that those, that obviously the White House is right, that people who express such sentiments are irresponsible and those sentiments are despicable and should be countered. But for goodness sake, in this election, is there any candidate anywhere who is suggesting the use of violence, for instance, 
Obviously, this is going to be an attempt, I suspect, by the President of the United States to uh, try to use the uh, terrible news about the Pelosi attack. And yes, there is now confirmation by the police department there that David DePap, uh, who was the assailant against Paul Pelosi, who's seriously injured, and you got to feel sorry for him, but that apparently he had other targets, other uh, Democratic members of Congress, and uh, a local college professor, it says, you have no idea which one, and others that he had made on his hit list very, uh, uh, very unapologetically trying to liken himself to the Founding Fathers. One of the crazy things is the Founding Fathers never had plans of kidnapping people and breaking their kneecaps uh, so that uh, other people would see them in wheelchairs and then uh, feel that there were consequences for taking uh, a left-wing point of view. I, I think it's, it's extraordinarily clear that uh, the American people uh, are welcoming condemnation of that kind of behavior, that kind of thinking. There is no threat to them adopting it or seconding it. Or am I wrong? 1-800-955-1776. We'll be right back on The MedBed Show. Your outlet for outrage. Outrageous. The Michael Medved Show. 1-800-955-1776. The Michael Medved Show. Michael Medved. And on the Michael Medved show, there are reports today that uh, they are revving up for a an announcement of President Trump's candidacy, which comes as a surprise to, I think, almost no one, that uh, he will make an announcement of his candidacy uh, sometime after the uh, midterm elections, uh, which, of course, are scheduled for... Six days from now, which is just unbelievable that it's crept up on us like this. The uh, the guess that I would put forward is that the timing of President Biden's announcement will actually depend on how well his candidates fare. And he has several candidates who he has supported and uh, endorsed and, and really sponsored uh, their campaigns who, who look likely to win. Uh, one of those candidates is um, Herschel Walker, believe it or not. Um, taking a look at the, the predictions right now from 538, which does this very complicated computer analysis, and they do believe that Herschel Walker is one of the very, very few cases in fact, it's one of only two cases that uh, seem to be there where they think it's likely the Republicans will gain a seat from the Democrats. Uh, there in uh, Georgia and in Nevada, where uh, Adam Laxalt would be gaining uh, the seat, he would be actually knocking out an incumbent senator, as Herschel Walker would, it's Senator Raphael Warnock, who was, uh, just won two years ago. 
and uh, he was filling up an unexpired term by Johnny Isaacson. In any event, so if the Republicans win in uh, those two states, that would give them a two-seat Senate edge. In other words, they would have more meaningful control of the Senate than uh, the the Democrats do now because the Democrats don't have control of the Senate except it's tied and they have Kamala Harris to break the tie. Now, the other thing that they are predicting is they are predicting that John Fetterman, and I can't believe that John Fetterman would actually win. I mean, but that's their prediction. So it would then be a one-seat majority in the U.S. Senate. We'll be talking with Jerry Bowyer about how the betting odds are on all of this because that often does a better job of predicting what's going to happen, a uh, better job than uh, anything that uh, you actually see from the polls. The, um, uh, the, The issue right now about the Republicans getting away from this Social Security claim, it, it seems to me very, very important that if the Republicans are going to preserve the chances of winning in the Senate and the House and, and uh, the rest, they have to deal with some of this. And uh, part of what is happening has been a surprising kind of fairness from mainstream media. And mainstream media don't get any more mainstream or more part of the general liberal point of view of Washington, D.C. than the New York Times. Peter Baker has a piece in the New York Times under the heading, Biden says GOP is threat to Medicare and Social Security, which, of course, he has been saying a time and time and time and time again. This has been basically the whole line the president's been using. I think he's trying to change the subject tonight with a speech at Union Station. But here is a, 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 it's a fascinating article, frankly, and very substantive, and it's well done. And it's fair. Uh, Peter Baker reports uh, Miami Gardens, Florida, Dateline. President Biden pressed his argument on Tuesday, that would be yesterday, that a Republican victory in next week's midterm congressional elections would endanger Social Security and Medicare, uh, bringing his case to the retirement haven of Florida where the politics of the two programs resonate historically. And here's what uh, President Biden said. We played this for you yesterday when he said it. He said, you've been paying in Social Security your whole life. Biden told an audience at the O.B. Johnson Park in Hallandale Beach before traveling to Miami Gardens for his evening event. You earned it. Now these guys want to take that Social Security away. Who in the hell do they think they are? Pardon my language. Uh, Well, imagine the widow here in Florida, he said. And all she has left is Social Security, he added. What's she going to do to... Uh, when it goes away. And uh, the, uh, the, the response that actually came uh, forward is that uh, Medicare tac- Medicare tactics, Republicans complain that such Medicare tactics distort their position and reflect desperation by Democrats on the defensive over inflation, which is near a 40-year high. 
Mr. Biden, who is 79, is the oldest president in American history. He's about to turn 80. He turns 80 in November this month. Um, humbled at one point, uh, fumbled at one point during his uh, first talk of the day, confusing the American war in Iraq with the Russian war in Ukraine. While trying to correct himself, he then misstated how his son, Bo, who served in the Delaware Army National Guard, who did serve in Iraq, died in 2015. And he said inflation is a, a worldwide problem right now because of a war in Iraq and the impact on oil and what Russia is doing. That's what he said. Uh, listen, this is clip six. And they talk about inflation. You know, we're dealing with it for a whole second. Inflation is a worldwide problem right now because of a war in Iraq and the impact on oil and what Russia's doing. I mean, excuse me, the war in, in Ukraine. And uh, I think in Iraq because that's where my son died. The, uh, because he died. Okay, he didn't die in Iraq. He served in Iraq. And the war in Iraq, the, there is no, well, there's a perpetual state of war in Iraq, but it's not going on right now. It's deeply embarrassing. And uh, it's one of those things that has led George Will to a, a totally outstanding column that everybody, everybody should read. We will uh, link it at our website. But it basically says that with Biden making mistakes like that, at an important point like this, he must, for the sake of the country, remove himself from consideration for getting reelected president in 2024. Think he's going to get better between now and 2024? And by the way, uh, George Will also says Kamala Harris has to go too. Why? Wait till you hear some of her gaffes, fumbles, and inanities, which makes uh, John Fetterman sound like Churchill. Makes Herschel Walker sound like Churchill. Uh, we will get to that and much more on The Medved Show. Makes no sense. The Michael Medved Show. 1-800-955-1776. The Michael Medved Show. The future of labor was in the future. It's amazing. Uh, so, President of the United States, uh, George Will has a column for the good of the country. Biden and Harris should bow out of the 2024 election. And this is not just because they are candidates on the left wing with a bunch of discredited left wing ideas. It's actually because of their confusion. And uh, again, it's not a matter of age, though I, I think advanced age doesn't help. It's a, it's, it's a matter of an ability, a, a, a lack of ability to be clear, to persuasive, to understand what's going on. Let me get back for just a moment to this report uh, by Peter Baker in the New York Times. And I mention that because Peter Baker is somebody who was incredibly hostile to President Trump 
and uh, was tough, I think appropriately tough on President Trump very frequently for the New York Times. And here he is on President Biden. He, uh, he says this, um, while the uh, uh, president has made speeches and headline fundraisers for Democratic candidates this fall, his rally on Tuesday night at Florida Memorial University, a historically black college, was set to be only second on the campaign trail since Labor Day. Democrats uh, chose a modest arena assembling the smaller crowd than typically mustered by another Florida resident, uh, former President Donald J. Trump. And he writes this, to bolster his contention that Republicans are aiming to undercut Social Security and Medicare, Mr. Biden once again cited a legislative agenda put forth by Senator Rick Scott of Florida, the chairman of the Senate Republicans' campaign arm. It's an agenda that has been disavowed by other Republicans, most notably Senator Mitch McConnell of Kentucky, the party's leader in the upper chamber. Mr. Scott's legislative agenda called for sunsetting all federal legislation uh, every five years, meaning programs like Social Security and Medicare would expire unless reauthorized by Congress. Well, given the fact that 73% of Americans, and by the way, it's the same percentage of Republicans and Democrats, want Social Security to be maintained and fixed. 73%, the chances of not reauthorizing Social Security and Medicare are zero. Before the uh, president's trip to Florida, Mr. Scott said on Sunday that his position had been twisted, and he said, I don't know one Republican, not one, who favors cutting Social Security payments or cutting Medicare benefits. Mr. Scott told uh, Dana Bash on State of the Union on CNN, quote, what I want to do is make sure we live within our means and make sure we preserve those programs, Medicare and Social Security. People paid into them. They believe in them. I believe in them. I'm going to fight like hell to make sure that uh, we preserve Medicare and Social Security. So uh, the president is being wildly irresponsible when he goes out there and talks about, uh, oh, they're trying to take away your Social Security. They're going to leave a widow with no source of support uh, right here in Florida. And, and by the way, the, the crowd, even before he spoke, was distinctly unenthusiastic, which goes to the fact that there is a passel of polls, six of them, that came out today that show that Republicans are more enthusiastic about the campaign that is coming up and the vote that's coming up on Tuesday, more enthusiastic than Democrats, which is usually a harbinger of success. Debbie Wasserman Schultz, remember her, former Democratic National Chair, she was at that Florida campaign event, and she tried to rev up the crowd to get them ready for Biden's speech. He was just about to take the stage. And the crowd was, well, not exactly feeling the Joe-mentum, if you remember that, of the moment. This is a, a little bit of an echo of that Jeb Bush, another Floridian, uh, please clap moment. Uh, listen to Debbie Washerman Schultz, clip five. You want to improve people's lives? I bet some people in here want to improve people's lives. Are you with me? Yeah. Okay. Come on, people. Let's wake up.
boss, come on now. I know you got a little more energy than, than, than I hear. Okay, thank you very much. That's the crowd I know. Those are the people I represent. Okay, just wanted to make sure you were, were still here. Uh, <laughs> make sure you were still here. And then the president proceeds to uh, confuse the Iraq war and the Ukraine war and to say that his son, who tragically died of a brain tumor, it wasn't a war wound, he, uh, he died of a brain tumor in Washington, D.C., uh, with the president often by his side. He was not the president yet. Uh, but the idea that he communicated that his son died in Iraq uh, okay, here's what uh, George Will has to say. For the good of the country, Biden and Harris must bow out of the 2024 election. During this autumn's avalanche of political news, writes the columnist, an enormous boulder bounced by barely noticed. It demonstrated why Joe Biden should not seek another term. Democrats should promptly face that fact and this one. An Everest of evidence shows that Vice President Harris is starkly unqualified to be considered as his successor. The Boulder. Meeting recently with some progressive activists, Biden said his $426 billion student loan forgiveness was accomplished by a law that he had just signed. Quote, I got it passed by a vote or two. No, he did not. Biden was not merely, again, embellishing his achievements, writes George Will. This is not just another of his verbal fender benders. There is no less than dismaying uh, explanation for his complete confusion. What vote? There was never a vote on the loan program. Who voted? After repeated unilateral extensions of the moratorium on loan repayments until election season, Biden unilaterally implemented the windfall for millions of voters. Congress was not involved in this cataract of money from the Treasury in violation of the Constitution's Appropriations Clause. It is frightening that Biden does not know or remember what he recently did regarding an immensely important policy that cost $426 billion. He must be presumed susceptible to future episodes of similar bewilderment. He should leave the public stage on January 20th 2025 and uh, then he comes to Kamala Harris and this is similarly amazing he says transcripts of her verbal meanderings cannot convey their eerie strangeness videos of them should be watched meanwhile here are her Proustian thoughts about broadband in Louisiana quote the governor and I and we were all doing a tour of the library here and talking about the significance of the passage of time, right? The significance of the passage of time. So when you think about it, there is great significance to the passage of time in terms of what we need to do to lay these wires, what we need to do to create these jobs. And there is such great significance to the passage of time when we think about a day in the life of our children. Uh, what most excited her about the Inflation Reduction Act? Well, she had this to say. This was actually in Seattle. There is more. Uh, we will get to that. The, the point about this is that if you had transcripts of John Fetterman's completely incomprehensible mutterings,
uh, which passed for oratory from a potential U.S. senator. It's it's not as bad as this. Uh, okay, if you disagree, I'm saying right here, Harris is worse than Fetterman. Both unacceptable. Uh, we will get to that. 1-800-955-1776. We will work together and continue to work together. On the Michael Medved Show. <laughs> continue to work together and to work together as we continue to work and I know we will work on this together. We will work together. Vice President Harris's inspiring declaration at an international conference. And and remember, she is representing our government as its uh, second um, most prominent official. And yeah, it's true, the vice presidency, well, one famous two-term vice president, John Nance Garner, once said it's not worth a bucket of warm spit. He actually didn't say spit. He said a, another less polite word, but you can imagine. Uh, he said that, but still, you're vice president of the United States. So at the international conference, here's the exact uh, transcript of what she said. And, and uh, here, here is the uh, in, entire uh, statement, uh, which is r remarkable. Listen. Which is why we will work together and continue to work together to address these issues, to tackle these challenges, and to work together as we continue to work operating from the new norms, rules, and agreements that we will convene to work together on to galvanize global action. With that, I thank you all. This is a matter of urgent priority for all of us, and I know we will work on this together. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Um... Can you imagine? Now, seriously, put yourself. At, uh, and by the way, uh, uh, enough says George Will. She sounds like someone giving a book report on a book she has not read. <laughs> her style betrays a self-satisfied exaggeration of her aptitudes. Lacking natural talent, she needs to prepare, but evidently doesn't. Complacency and arrogance make a ruinous compound. Uh, there's a, another, and I'm, I'm partial to this because this was delivered in Seattle just last week, it was. Uh, she came to Seattle to campaign, and was suddenly we have a, a very close Senate race that uh, the fine Republican candidate, the very uh, capable and impressive and dynamic uh, Tiffany Smiley, she could actually win this thing. And which is one of the reasons it's so important that you mail in your ballot or drop it off or get it in there soon. And because uh, the sooner it is, the, the more certain it is that it will be counted. But in any event, she uh, was speaking in Seattle about the Inflation Reduction Act. And she said, I have a particular fondness, I must tell you, for electric school buses. I love electric school buses. I really do. I've been on those electric school buses. 
25 million children in our country every day go to school on these diesel-fueled school buses. And hundreds, thousands of school bus drivers are driving these buses, which are then these people, these children, these adults, are inhaling what is toxic air. Uh-huh. No, no, and, no, uh, no. Then there's more. Uh, Harris in Poland. I am here standing here on the northern flank, on the eastern flank, talking about what we have in terms of the eastern flank and our NATO allies. Harris uh, on space. Space, it affects us all, and it connects us all. <laughs> we have a problem. And, and then Harris on whether Democrats failed by not codifying abortion rights into federal law. Quote, I think that, to be very honest with you, I do believe that we should have rightly believed, but we certainly believe that certain issues are just settled. On equity, equitable treatment means we all end up in the same place. On the border, we have a secure border in that that is a priority for any nation, including ours and our administration. Remember, she was placed in charge of securing the border. Uh, the, um, George Will concludes, and uh, if I can just say a hurrah to that. He says, regarding Biden and Harris, the National Democratic Party faces two tests of stewardship. Its imprimatur cannot again be bestowed on either of them. Biden is not just past his prime, even adequacy is in his past. Are you joking? Is this a joke? <laughs> and this is Harris's prime. I mean, uh, how do you expect either of them to get, to get better? Well, I'll tell you how I expect them to get better. I do think the, the Republicans are going to do very well in the elections coming up. And uh, do I believe that uh, President Biden is capable of actually working uh, with the Republicans when he has been sort of disabused of his dreams of uh, sweeping FDR, New Deal style a reformation or he wants to be the most consequential uh, domestic policy president since uh, since LBJ and all of that is going to be in the rearview mirror. And uh, what will be fascinating, and I've been thinking about this because I do think it's extremely likely that uh, the uh, Republicans actually end up winning uh, both houses of Congress. It, it, it's 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 easier in the Senate for them to win control of the Senate than for the Democrats to win. Because for the Democrats to actually win control of the Senate, to gain control of the Senate, they have to uh, not only win uh, both of the Republican seats that are listed as toss-ups, that's Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, but they also have to defend the five Democratic seats that are listed as toss-ups. And uh, that's in states like Arizona, which is a Democratic seat, Nevada, 
uh, and uh, not to mention uh, other seats that uh, there is at least some Republican chance for, uh, as in the state of uh, Washington and the state of Colorado. And they also have uh, a seat in New Hampshire that despite the inadequacies of the Republican candidate, uh, General Bolduc is, uh, is considered to be a, uh, a toss-up right now. And uh, then there is the state of Ohio, uh, where it also had been rated a toss-up, but now appears to be heading in the direction of J.D. Vance. That is a Republican seat. Uh, with the uh, fate of Medicare and Social Security, why is it a midterm issue? Uh, there is also uh, this. Um, the the conspiracy theory that is being advanced by Democrats to justify their use of Social Security as a political football is um, that President Biden told supporters in Syracuse, New York, uh, last week, they, the Republicans, would put us in default unless we yield to their demands to cut Social Security and Medicare. They're so determined to cut Social Security and Medicare, they're willing to take down the economy over it. There is nothing, nothing that will create more chaos or do more damage to the American economy than that happening, if it were to happen. There's no indication that it's happening or that anyone is threatening to have that happen. It's, uh, there's a piece in uh, The Hill, why the fate of Medicare and Social Security is a midterm issue. And it is extraordinarily definitive on how bogus this is how wrong it is and it's a, a terrible thing to do politically to impute to your opponents some kind of sweeping change that they do not favor and the idea of uh, abolishing social security this is just a, a going back to the nostalgic days when they could attack paul ryan as they were doing in four years ago in 2018 and remember, that was when Paul Ryan was uh, still speaker and they were uh, uh, talking about uh, pushing grandmother off the cliff. Uh, the, the idea that uh, any of the leading committee chair who are going to be coming in uh, for the Republicans or any other Republican would favor shutting down the government over trying to eliminate Social Security is nonsense but there's a lot of other nonsense out there on the campaign trail there's also a form of denialism what kind of denialism not not denialism about elections but denialism about the economy and also about the political orientation of the american people and this